0: Life Audio.
1: Faith Over Fear is brought to you by Life Audio and is part of our Faith Toolkit series. For more inspirational, faith-affirming podcasts, visit us at lifeaudio.com.
2: Hello. Welcome to the Faith Over Fear podcast, where we attack our most pervasive fears with truth because life is too short for any of us to live enslaved. At Holy Love Ministries, we are passionate about helping God's children discover, embrace, and live in God's freedom. We would love to connect with you online. Just visit our show notes to learn how to connect with us.
0: Hi, friend. Are you stressed? Maybe even worried about so many needs around you that you've forgotten you are worth taking care of, too?
1: Inspired by the words and deeds of Jesus Christ.
2: I'm Jennifer Slattery and I am walking beside you. I'm right there with you in this battle against fear and anxiety. And I found for myself, if I am not actively fighting towards increased freedom and wholeness, I am slipping in the other direction. Like it is really easy for me to fall back into old patterns and thought processes that lead to increased fear and anxiety. And studies show that we tend to forget. A lot. And maybe you've recognized this, like you listen to a sermon and it really impacts you. And then like by Wednesday, you can't even remember what you heard. Well, experts say that within one hour, we tend to forget 50% of what we hear. And within 24 hours, we forget 70%. Within a week, we forget 90%. So what does that mean? Well, for me... It means I need to take the time to remember. I need to remember what God has taught me. I need to journal places where maybe he's brought revelation and where a certain truth has really hit deeply. That's what we're going to do in today's episode. We've recognized that there have been certain discussions that appear to really mean a lot to a good proportion of our listeners. And so we wanted to revisit some powerful truths, some thought-provoking insights that our guests in these episodes presented. If you caught the episode with Dr. Neil T. Anderson on the spiritual component connected to our anxiety, I'm confident that you walked away with some powerful steps that helped you gain increased freedom. Well, in that episode with Dr. Anderson, he talked about how fear can be learned, which is actually encouraging because it means it can also be unlearned. And he helps us to dismantle the components of fear. Take a listen.
3: Okay, let's look at fear for a moment because it is the number one mental health problem in the world, anxiety disorders, which include fear, anxiety, and, and panic attacks. But fear, it was the first emotion expressed by fallen humanity. Adam said, I was afraid. What was he afraid of? He's just still in the Garden of Eden. There was no forces there. There was no neurological problems that needed medication. Couldn't blame mom and dad. There was no heritage issues, whatever else. What's he afraid of? And I discovered after a while, what it really was, was the absence of life. It's what I call a primordial fear. And that just invaded planet Earth all over. The people are paralyzed by fear all over the world. But fear, in order to be legitimate, has to have an object. And, and that object has to be in somehow my mind, eminent or potent. Somehow it has some power for me. And fear is a God-given emotion. Anytime my physical or psychological safety is threatened, fear is what I would feel. It's what I should experience. It's for my self-preservation. For instance, I don't like rattles. I mean, they're, they're legitimate for me. I, you know, I hear them hissing I'm like, oh, like it there. But right now, I'm experiencing zero fear. Of rattlesnakes. Why? Well, there's none here. So they're potent, but they're not here. Now, what if you threw one of those babies in and it landed right at my desk? Man, I'd be exited out that door in a hurry because it's both in my mind potent and eminent. Now, what if you threw it in and it's dead, provided I was sure it was dead? (laughs) All you have to do is remove one of the attributes. That's all you have to do. Now, let's look at the big three daddies of fear fear of people, fear of death, fear of Satan? Let's look at death, for instance. You know, people are afraid. I'm going to, I could die, you know. And I said, what would happen if you died? You'd be absent from the body, present of the Lord. Where old death is your sting? He's removed one of the attributes. It's still eminent. It's appointed unto every man that one day you shall die, but it's no longer potent. There's no power over me. Now, if you're free to live today, you're free of the fear of death. You're really free to live today. Do I fear death? No, because I would just be absent from the body, present of the Lord. For me to live as Christ, to die is actually gain, Paul said. So take away that fear. How about fear of man? And, and Jesus was specific. No fear of man who may have power over your physical life. Fear God who has power over that as well as your soul. And then Satan, people are all over this world are more afraid of Satan than they are of God. You don't think that's true? Ask people in your church. In the moment you elevate Satan as a greater object of fear, you elevate him as a greater object of worship. And that's why he wants to be feared, because he wants to be worshiped, which is the temptation for Christ. You know, bow down before me. Now, which attribute has it removed? Well, he's running around like a hungry lion, seeking for something to devour. So he's still eminent. He's been disarmed. He's no longer potent. It's like you know, two kids riding in the back car, and all of a sudden a bee flies through the window, and the kids grab ah, there's a bee in here!" And the dad reaches back and, and grabs a bee in his hand, and the stinger goes in his hand. Then he releases the bee. No, the kids, a, you know, kid, look at my hand. Jesus said, "Look at my side. The stinger is in me. He's harmless." Now, if I can just convince the world that that is true, that he's been disarmed, I mean, you would eradicate in a normal amount of fear. Now, why is the fear of God the beginning of wisdom? What two attributes does he have? He's omnipresent and he's omnipotent. I love this verse in in Proverbs. It says, in the fear of the Lord, there is strong confidence and his children will have refuge. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. So God is here right now. What do I fear? What do I fear? And so let's go back to the learned aspect of that because it's critical. Let's say you got a mother's got a two year old child out in a closed in fence in the backyard and a little harmless garter snake swims, you know, slithers across. Chances are that two year old will go over and pick it up. What would his mother do? Freak out, probably. What's interesting is that Almost all fears are learned. You don't come into this world, you know, with an understanding that heat can burn your hand or falling off a chair can hurt you. So little experiences as you grow up, you fall off the chair and you kind of start developing, you know, safety, fear of heights, you know. And and don't touch that stove again. You'll get burned uh, kind of a thing. Now, the problem is all these fears are are not necessarily true. And uh, so we learn to fear things that we should not fear. They're called Phobias. Now, think of the word itself. What does phobia mean? It's irrational fear. So, if you were going to solve that, what would you have to do? Stop the fear? No, that's more like the symptom. There's a lie behind it. Now, ignorance is not bliss. Ignorance will create all kinds of fears. And you can create fear anywhere you go by just telling people lies. Oh, God doesn't love you. You know, oh, then God's not here, doesn't care about me kind of a situation. If you um, take a zoologist and put them in that backyard who understands reptiles and, you know, squiggly little things like that, would they be afraid of that snake? Of course not. They would walk over. So sometimes, you know, ignorance can almost paralyze you in fear, whereas truth will really liberate you. Truth will really make it known. And so in our steps to freedom, we have a phobia finder that helps you realize what is the root, of that fear. What am I actually afraid of? And we have to bring God into that process because he's going to lead us into all truth. And so, you know, we try to help them realize what is that one? What what, what one of those attributes can I remove? And all you have to do is remove one. And suddenly the fear has no power over you anymore. So it's an interesting process in itself. So if, if I've learned it, if, you've, if you bought the truth, the only way to overcome the lies of this world and deception is truth. That's why Jesus prays in the high priestly prayer, I ask not that you take them out of this, this world, but you came from the evil one. How? Sanctify them in thy word. Thy word is truth. So truth is a liberating agent. Truth is never an enemy. If you learn to walk in the light, speak the truth in love. <laughs> don't... Don't, you know, you may be afraid of the truth because it may expose you because men love darkness more than light. But truth is the only, is a liberating agent in my life. And it's not just truth that I read in the Bible. Jesus is the truth. My presence with God, his presence with me, his spirit bearing witness with my spirit, I'm a child of God. There's my point of security. There is the way that you overcome that fear is to allow God to reign supreme in your life. All other fear objects will just slowly disappear.
2: wasn't that so good? I encourage you to take a moment and to think, okay, this is one action step I'm going to take from that segment. And maybe if you're driving, don't do that now. But when you get home, revisit today's episode and say, okay, this is one thing I want to take away from what I just heard and I want to really implement. And remember, in our next segment... I spoke with Dr. Dan Allender and Kathy Lurzel from the Allender Center about how trauma is stored in our bodies and how this impacts our anxiety levels, our relationships, and an important like our ability to rest and our ability to experience delight. So take a listen to what they have to say. Kathy, you talk about how we store our trauma in our bodies and how our bodies can't differentiate between big and small trauma. So what would that look like for somebody if they're kind of experiencing that?
4: Finding uplifting news
5: in today's headlines is often like searching for a needle in a haystack. At the Story Behind podcast, we believe in the power of finding heartwarming tales and are happy to share empowering stories with you every week. Get inspired by the note a waitress received from a patron dining alone. And even hear about how one VIP passenger made a hardworking pilot get emotional before his flight. To start listening to the story behind podcast, visit lifeaudio.com.
0: You know, I think, again, as Dan said, when our left and our right brain, if our left brain is the one who creates meaning and sequential understanding of what happened. Our right brain is the one that holds onto the body memory of what happened to us. And so often, people who have experienced trauma have a great deal of anxiety, dysregulation in their bodies. They have gut issues because we know that that's directly connected. You have, you know, I don't know if you're like me, but you've woken up at three in the morning with like your heart racing, and all of a sudden you have this rush of cortisol coming through. You know, when when we have trauma stored up in our bodies that aren't not connected to, to the why or what happened or, or meaning making parts, it just gets left for our bodies to deal with in, in almost like a segmented way right? And so we end up having, oh gosh, like so many people have gut issues, right? You know, where all of a sudden you, having, you have tons of anxiety stored up in your body from so much cortisol rushing through, or you have adrenal fatigue, you know, which is another thing that we're learning in the scientific community that happens because your adrenaline is rushing all the time, right? But basically what happens is that it's very difficult for us to rest. It's very difficult for us to play, because play, you have your body has to be kind of at a more restful state in order f- to find delight. It's very difficult for us to kind of manage day to day things because the body anxiety overtakes our capacity to kind of mentally move through a situation. So it manifests in lots of different ways, but more than anything, it just means that our bodies can't regulate as they're meant to. And a regulated, a calm body is what we need and what people we're connected to need from us in order to be safe. And so, if you have a dysregulated body. Body, your children are going to be on edge with you because they're picking up what's going on in your body. Your spouse is going to be harder for you to have like give and receive pleasure. It's just it's going to impact lots of ways. I mean, if you look at how you eat. So when I was at my, when my heights of trauma and dysregulation, when I was going through postpartum depression, I would like eat food so fast because there was this sense of I don't know when I'm going to get to eat again. I can't sit and enjoy this. I can't allow my body to rest, and so I would just. just. like inhale, standing up, you know, with a baby and then, and then like not even know that I'd eaten anything and there was no joy, there was no rest, you know, so it impacts us on lots of different ways, but more than anything, it steals joy, it steals rest and it steals delight. And, and frankly, our bodies are then just left exhausted, not understanding what's happening to them because we're not actually offering language back in again
1: and Part of that, Jennifer, is that, as Kathy has used the phrase, when you have stress biochemicals like cortisol, adrenaline, noradrenaline, the catecholamines rushing through your body, and they're not really being released, it comes from what we know as homeostasis. That is a sense of actually shalom, a peace, to what's called allostasis, which is We've ramped up to a new level of normal, but that new normal is actually creating inflammation in our body. And so whenever you've got the word itis after something, colitis, arthritis, we're actually talking about the primary means of illness comes from your body's inflammation coming from stress biochemicals. So we've been able, and we, not we, Kathy and I, but the medical community has been able to see a very strong relationship between the non-metabolized stress biochemicals, cancer, heart disease, arthritis, almost all the core, shall we say, bases by which people die of illness actually is a response to stress, i.e., a stress-related trauma that hasn't been engaged. So we're killing ourselves and we're dying of trauma. And we maybe exercise a little bit more, maybe eat some more vegetables. But that's the part of this whole process of going, can we invite you to where all of that heartbreaking energy came? In your own four-year-old, eight-year-old, 12-year-old being, and can we tend to those stories again with wisdom and kindness? Can we engage the fact that that eight-year-old still exists in you and is operating out of a perspective that you would have not found fault for when you were eight, but is actually leading you to death as a 28, 38, 48-year-old? This is really where the question of, do we trust God, that he really wants to heal, and that healing is possible.
2: That again encourages me because it tells me when I am alert to what is going on internally, I can hit pause and I can begin to connect my physical response with the story of like that original woundedness. And then as I connect those two pieces, I can begin to experience healing. So I find a lot of hope in that. Now, in the next episode, I speak with a woman who's become very dear to me and who I believe has the best Bible study available that helps counter anxiety and fear. And it's The Extraordinary Power of Praise, a six-week study of the Psalms for the Anxious Heart. And as we discussed her book, the insights that she revealed in it, she helped us understand the importance of emergency verses of having certain verses stored and ready so that we can use them so we can find peace in them during unexpected moments of anxiety because they will come when we least expect it right so take a listen to how she suggests we handle those unexpected verse in your study you emphasize memorizing scripture so i do how in particular does this help us? Like when we do that, how in particular can that help us in relation to anxiety and fear?
4: Okay, I I love that you asked that because one of the principles that I teach is that everybody needs emergency verses. Mm. So what I mean by that is almost every home I know has an emergency kit somewhere. You know, it's got Band-Aids, it's got Neosporin, it's got aspirin or whatever, right? You need emergency verses because anxiety and panic can hit anywhere. It can hit you while you're driving. You know, you could be driving your car, maybe you're taking your kids to school, or maybe you're driving to a doctor's appointment, and all of a sudden you feel this sense of panic or anxiety. And you can't pull over, grab your Bible, and begin reading scripture over yourself. That's just not practical. But if you have a few key verses memorized, the Holy Spirit will allow those verses to calm the anxiety. Listen, I've tried this all over the world and it works.
2: Now, what would you say? So somebody who maybe is listening and they they don't know a lot about scripture, how would you encourage them to find their emergency verses?
4: You know, there are some common ones. I'll give you a few now. Psalm 23, almost everybody that it, whether they're in church or not in church knows the beginning of that. The Lord is my shepherd, you know, I will not want. Or Psalm 46, 1, God is our refuge and strength and ever present help in trouble. I particularly like that one because it reminds me that wherever I am, God is present. And so he is able to calm me And cool my anxiety, you know, just quiet it down. I mean, honestly, now we live in an age of Google. You really can Google best verses for anxiety and articles will pop up immediately. So just choose a few, you know, you don't have to memorize the whole Bible, but you can memorize maybe four or five verses and keep them in your mind so that when anxiety or panic come, you can go to those verses and remind yourself of the goodness of God.
2: In this final segment, I spoke with one of my favorite authors, somebody I have long admired, Max Lucato, and he discussed a key component in hearing the voice of God. So in our, in our full discussion, he shared so many powerful insights of how the Holy Spirit can really help us experience increased freedom. And I think we all, we want that, right? And we know God is always pointing us to transformation, to freedom, to healing, which means it is in our best interest to hear and to heed his voice always. But that leads us to a question, right? Like, how do we know when he is speaking? How can we become more sensitive and alert to the Holy Spirit? Well, Lucato has some suggestions. Take a listen.
5: You know, in the book, I talk about how the Holy Spirit is presented in different metaphors. And one of those is a guide. He will lead us. He will lead us. He doesn't just save us and then abandon us, but he leads us. And I was surprised. I had never noticed how in the Old Testament, the image of the cloud by day and the fire by night is also described as a working of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit was active in leading the children of Israel through the wilderness. And so for me to follow the Holy Spirit is for me to acknowledge which voice I want to hear. If I desire to be led by the Holy Spirit, the first question is not, where do you want me to go? But who is in control of my life? Who's the ultimate authority? You know, here's kind of a bizarre example. Okay, I'm making this up, so please don't read anything. (laughs) But suppose I said, Lord, I uh, I'm seeking your will tonight as to whether I should go out and just get really drunk. (laughs) Okay, I'm not doing that, by the way. Thank goodness. (laughs) But yeah, but okay. so essential. A part of answering that question is who's in charge of Lakato's life? Who's in charge? If I think I'm in charge, then I'm going to say, "Okay, Lord, you don't care if I go out and get drunk. I'm just that's that's probably the direction I would go. But if I say, no, I've been bought by the most precious commodity in the history of the world, the blood of Jesus Christ. My body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. I am no longer my own, but I belong to Christ. He is the Lord of my life. I've asked him not just to be savior, but also Lord of my life. Then I, by necessity, have to submit to whatever the Lord says. And if the Lord says, "Locato, don't get drunk on wine which he does, then I must submit to that. So one of the questions, the reason this topic comes up is people say, well, I'm led by the spirit. I don't know how to be led by the spirit. Well, the first question is, who's in charge? Acknowledge that he's in charge, because sometimes the reason we don't want to be led is because we want to lead ourselves. (laughs) Right. At least that's a struggle I have.
2: Yeah. Well, how much of that do you think is related to us? Maybe not really understanding God's heart or not knowing him well.
5: Yeah. Good point. Everything, everything, everything begins with the character of God. And if we perceive God as hard and cruel and harsh and distant, then we're stuck. But if we can embrace the fact that our heavenly father loves us, he said mercy is abundant. He wants what's right for us. He doesn't wish us harm. Then then we can begin to perceive that he's not playing games with us. He's not hiding his will from us. And so we can ask him for direction and he'll provide it.
2: That's beautiful. And I, I like I said, I really enjoyed your book and I loved just the grace, like you spoke with the humility and sharing, honestly, your journey of just growing deeper in the Holy Spirit. So what is like maybe one action step besides buying your book and reading it? Because it is phenomenal. But one action step that you would suggest the listeners do this week that they can experience the Holy Spirit on a deeper level.
5: Just one,
2: huh? <laughs> just one. <laughs>
5: Just one—that's that's pretty mean of you. That's pretty mean. Hmm. Okay, let let's let's do this. Nobody understands the Holy Spirit more than Jesus. Mm. So let's go to John fourteen, and fifteen, and sixteen, which is the greatest sermon on the Holy Spirit, and say, okay, I'm going to make that my landing zone for the next two to three weeks, and I'm just going to read and let Jesus tell me who the Holy Spirit is. Let him tell me what the Holy Spirit will do. And why is it that he calls the Holy Spirit my helper, my comforter, my counselor, my advocate? I think I would say, let's go. Let's all go there. And let's just live with that. Those three chapters for a few weeks and just see what happens.
2: We have had a wonderful year. I thank you for walking this journey with us. I hope that it has really helped you experience increased freedom in your relationships, in your life, that you're, you're getting deeper rest, that you're experiencing God on a deeper level, that you are experiencing healing from maybe deep wounds that you weren't even aware existed, and that you are just walking day by day, moment by moment with your Lord and Savior who loves you deeply, who knows you fully and loves you deeply. If you haven't already done so, I would encourage you to subscribe to this podcast. Then you won't miss a single episode. And we have some really great ones coming up. I would also love it if you would rate it. That helps others to find it. And it encourages my team as well. Until next time, may you live as one who truly has been set free.
0: Faith Over Fear is a production of Life Audio and Salem Media. If you liked what you heard today, please take a second to rate and review this podcast in your favorite podcast app so that more listeners like you can find the show. For more faith-filled, inspirational podcasts, visit us at lifeaudio.com. Hey,
2: everybody, I'm Dale. And I'm Tamara. And we're hosts of the Kinos Project podcast where
0: we help you tackle ancient Christian truths in everyday settings.
2: The word Kinos means new, and that's exactly what we want to do on our podcast. Bring something new from what is old in our faith.
0: And on this show, you might hear us explore topics like what the Bible has to say about student loan forgiveness, discuss how the satanic temple affects our view of religious liberty in America, or even question why is it that so many people are having rapture anxiety.
2: To learn more about the podcast, go to lifeaudio.com.